How do you gain confidence at work? How do you gain confidence in life? Hi, I'm Cartwright Morris. I'm the host of the Metaforge podcast. And this is the question that we discover in this podcast. I could bring on guests, men who have gone before us, top performers in their job, in their career, and in their life and relationships. And how do they gain confidence and move forward through doing hard things? That is the secret to building confidence in your life, is doing hard things and learning how to do them well. To discover more about how I help sales professionals gain confidence and improve their performance, go to mentorforge.com and find out more. Now for today's interview. All right, welcome into the Mentor Forge podcast. Um, I'm excited about having my guest today. I got another great author on here. He's the author of Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow, How to Find Courage and Compassion in a Turbulent World. Uh, Andrew L. Anderson. Andrew, how, how are you doing today? I am happy. It's an honor to be on your show and to be with your great tribe and those that are listening in. Thank you very, very much. Man, yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure too, man. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to get into this book. Um, but I'm curious, you know, the obvious, you know, I know you're from Boise, Idaho, and I know you like getting in the mountains and stuff. So, uh, for my audience that just loves, you know, that kind of follows me, I, I like being in the outdoors and being in the mountains. What's something you love to do in your area that's really fun to, you know, in the summer, or winter? Yeah. Yeah, so 15 to 20 minutes from my doorstep, I can get, jump on my mountain bike and be in the trails of the foothills yes. and in the mountains. And then in the wintertime, it's snow skiing, and I love uh, snowshoeing and being, just being in the mountains. If I can move in the mountains, then I'm a happy man. Mm. So as an author, I mean, being in the mountains, have you found inspiration by being in there? Do you ever take like a little notebook and write stuff down? Yeah. In fact, uh, the, the reason that this book came into being was because I was staring up at a mountain, but it was a cliffside down in Zions National Park, which isn't typically what we consider the mountains. But looking yeah. up at that mountain is where I received the inspiration and the title for the book. And so, yeah, that it's that's where I'm, you know, one of the one of the places I'm closest to God is when I'm in the mountains. Man, I had one guest on who encouraged me to make a t-shirt out of that. <laughs> I'm closest to God in the mountains. Ain't that the truth, yeah. man? Yeah. Um, well, that's a good transition too, uh, Andrew, because I'm curious just the origin story of the book. Well, what was kind of the initial inspiration? Was it an idea? Was it a moment or experience? I mean, you mentioned the mountain, but uh, I would love just kind of give a little more detail. Well, let me give you two stories if I can. Is that all right? Yeah, go for it. So story number one, I had a great coaching team. Uh, I had two or three different coaches that I had hired that were we were building out our business together. And one of them was named Seth. And one day we were standing up for our morning huddle, kind of just setting our plan for the day and, you know, sharing some gratitudes and motivating one another. And he said to me, Andrew, he said, you need to write a book. And this was about, oh, probably, you know, six years ago. And I said, there's no way. I got my master's. I wrote a thesis. I don't ever want to write again. He's like, you got to write your book. Just open up a note in your phone. And every time I tell you something needs to be in your book, I want you to jot it down. <laughs> and so uh, I remember the very first thing that I put in that note, and it was Rat Park. And we can talk about that later, or you can find it in the book. But I, I teach about building a rat park for our lives. And so Seth, Seth inspired me. He was the first person to tell me that I should write a book. 
So that was that was the origin of the uh, the ideation of, of yeah. coming up with that book. So just having someone in your life that encourages you, that challenges you, pushes you, yep. man, don't we all need that? Yeah. Yeah. Have you found that you've just surrounded yourself with high quality people that have allowed you to do that? That have kept Absolutely. you pushing forward? Yeah. Instead of acknowledgments at the back of the book, I call it personal gratitudes. And mm-hmm. I start off by sharing that, you know, I am who I am because of the books on my shelf and the people I've surrounded myself with. And some of these people are dead. Stephen Covey, Napoleon Hill, Jesus. Uh, I, I look up to these mentors and I surround myself with as many that are dead on my bookshelf and as many that are living that I can get close to uh, just to, to help mentor and, and show me a model of what can be possible. Man, that's great. So, I, I, you know, even going beyond the origin of the book, Andrew, yeah. I'm curious, just some of your background, mm-hmm. what what was, um, I mean, growing up, did, were, did you have a desire to write or even did you, were you a, a big reader? Did you like a certain authors or anything like that? You know, uh, growing up, I read the books that I had to in school mm-hmm. and the very first actual like self-help or self-development or motivational book that I read was my senior year in high school, I was graduating and uh, I picked a book up that my brother-in-law had and it was from Lance Armstrong. It was called, it's not about the bike. Yeah. And now this was before everything came out about Lance Armstrong. Right? This is when we actually did look up to him, but the principles that he taught, even though they weren't truly authentic and he struggled with some things personally, but the principles that he taught were still true. Mm-hmm. And so that was the actual first time I ever remember falling in love with a book and thinking about what it could do to ignite my spirit within. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so really, what did that book do do for you? I mean, after high school, did you make decision off of something that ignited you? Well, there's only, I, I call a book shelf worthy. If there's one thing that I want to go back to and share with others, and if there's more than one thing, then I put, you know, lots of tabs in it. Like I have yeah. my book here. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I remember from that book is a story that he talks about in one of the Tour de France that uh, that he was in. And he said that he always liked to pass people when he was climbing a hill. Yeah. Because it's demoralizing to get past when you're climbing. Mm-hmm. And he was passing someone and he leaned over and said to this man, he said, I could do this on an effing tricycle. Now, I'm not that ruthless. Right. I, you know, I don't ever even use the F word, but I just remember thinking like how cool that he had that confidence to mm-hmm. be able to say to that person that he could do that. And while yeah. I'm not, you know, wanting to destroy my you know, competitors, I want to have that kind of confidence. And it just lit something inside me that Andrew when it comes to your life mission and the things that are important to you, you can, in a more compassionate way, be just as driven and just as confident in what you're working toward as Lance was at that time without the drugs and the affairs. <laughs> yes, drugs, affairs. Yeah, we don't need any of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, lying. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. All that. Um, huh. So, Andrew, uh, you know, it's just fascinating to me because it does seem like in your bio that you've done some travel. How much has travel really influenced your life and exposed you to different thoughts and ideas that 
kind of led to this book or led to the life that you're living now? Right. So mm-hmm. when, when I'm able to go different places and experience new things, it's not so much the, even the landscapes or the culture or the history. It's always about the people. Mm. And I know that if I am on path and on purpose, then God's going to put the right people that I need to help me continue on that path mm. and strengthen that purpose, that resolve. And so the places I've gone, I always remember the people that were there a lot more than I do anything else regarding the landmarks or mm-hmm. uh, what was what was actually happening around me. So there have always been people placed on my path to help me to you know strengthen my purpose. Man, that's great. And what would you say your purpose is? Well, my mission in life, I've known since I was 14, mm-hmm. and you can read the story about how I found out in the book, but I learned at a very young age that my mission in life is to bless my brothers and sisters, whom I believe to be God's children, to live a higher level of spiritual strength. And it is mm-hmm. to influence as many as possible. Influence as many as possible, which is, I guess, a good reason to write a book, right? <laughs> That's right. I didn't want to. And mm-hmm. yet when I was called and felt that it needed to happen, then mm-hmm. game over, like, <laughs> all right. Just give me yeah. the tools. I'll write the book. You you put the right people in my in my you know on, on this journey, and we'll we'll get it done. Yeah. And so let, let, I'm curious. There's the title of the book. I mean, it's some great imagery. Um, the difference between an oak and a willow is fascinating. Yeah. So where where did the title of the book come from? Where was that inspiration? Sure. So I had a coach once that said, Andrew, you have incredible oak like strength, and I think you might need a little bit more willow. I was like, what in the heck are you talking about? Right. Like, yeah. I am not following this analogy. And, and then he taught me about an oak's strength and its longevity is derived from being connected to the source. It has this taproot that drives down vertically that allows it to grow out a horizontal root system that is four to seven times the foliage of the top of the tree. And he said that oak like strength is one of the hardest woods. It never comes down in a storm. It has an incredible defense system to ward off, you know, any, uh, any pests or any diseases. And so it's a, it's just resilient. And he said, you show up that way. And there's an opportunity for you to be more like a willow as well to bend when needed, but not break. To be able to allow your branches to come off and grow new one, new trees, the ability to to flex in the wind and to be you know more graceful and and take things with more ease and and mm. not be so confident, courageous, but to bring more compassion and you know more meekness to to what you do. Yeah. And so he opened my eyes, and then I started working on those and helping my clients as well. Yeah, so that's what I was. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm. I find the same t- thing, and sometimes we people can be more n- like naturally bent towards one or the other. How as a as a coach do you help people who maybe are compassionate but need more courage, and who maybe have a lot of courage who are strong but yet they they can be kind of bull in the china shop, knocking people over. So yeah. how do yeah how do you help? Um, one who kind of maybe more naturally eats the other? Well, the the first thing that I always want someone to understand is 
this is not like a nature thing. Hmm. When you were born as a baby, you were not one or the other. Right. Mm -hmm. This is a conditioning. This is a nurture thing. And you have been conditioned to lean one way or the other, but you are by your very DNA, you were bred with both of these strengths within you. Interesting. So we don't have to like, you know, focus on the weakness and make it a strength. Like Mm -hmm. the strength of the Oak and the willow are in you. And we recognize the need to put more energy and attention when Mm -hmm. we start to experience resistance in our life that isn't serving us. So wherever I see resistance, whether it's in someone's career or their relationship or their family or their physical fitness and nutrition or their spirituality, wherever we experience resistance, I go to what is needed here. Do we need a little bit more grace and compassion or do we need some more courage and confidence? And then how do we let go of anything that's preventing us from tapping in to that, you know, God given strength. That's great. Do you, do you, was there an example in the book or even outside of the book where you, you personally, that ha- I mean, you mentioned the story with your boss or, or you did this with a client? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I talk about in, in the book and, you know, this, this took an extreme amount of vulnerability. I actually finished writing the book and then I found a great coach. Mm-hmm. And publisher and editor, the three incredible women that read the book and said, we need more Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, I don't want the book to be about me. And they said, it has to. It's got your name on it. Like, right. the, the principles are taught through your life. And then, yeah, you tell these awesome stories of clients, but we need more Andrew. And one of the things that I share in the book is I am by nurture a pacifist. I don't want to fight. I don't like fighting. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the, the pandemic that we experienced in 2020, I recognized some things that I did need to start fighting for. And I, I felt like I really did need to stand up for, you know, the, the values and principles that America was built on. And mm-hmm. as I started to feel that fire, you know, ignite within, I also recognized that there were some things in my personal life that I wasn't fighting for. And before I started to you know, fight for some national rights. I needed to take care of my relationship with my three daughters. Yeah. And I had given up on some of those relationships because of a divorce that I experienced with their mother. And I was not okay uh, with how much time I was spending with them. And Mm. I had played pacifist for a long time with their mom, thinking that if I played nice, then she would play nice as well. And that uh, at that time, I recognized that I needed to stand strong, that I needed to muster all the courage that I had and offer myself a little bit of compassion and these daughters that we did need to fight for this relationship and to spend as much time together as possible. And that was uh, it, it's still ongoing. I mean, that was three years ago, and I'm still fighting for that with the oak like strength that um Sometimes I want to just say, I'd rather just kind of bend over and, and let this one go like the willow. Mm. So that's a, that's something that I, I went through and talked about in the book and I'm still working on to this day. Yeah. There's something to that, that man, just the, have the fight, the courage and it's for someone else. This isn't being selfish. This is for someone else. Like your daughters need their dad. Right. Man, that's powerful. 
Yeah. And if we could just like somehow get in our mind, a mindset like that in, in like, I mean, cause I'm like you, I, I, I prefer the passive approach. I prefer to be comfortable, keep the status quo. And sometimes we need to fight and people in our life need to know that we have that in us to, to bring our strength. Exactly. In fact, mm-hmm. my attorney said to me one day, he said, Andrew, I, I like you. You're a great guy. But I will fight to the gates of hell for your daughters. Yeah. And this is, this is, this is about them, not about you. And I, I think when we can bring that kind of strength into our life and our relationships and recognize that I will fight to the gates of hell for other people, mm. um, then we don't get in our own way. Right. Because yeah. the focus isn't on what will people think about me. It's how can I serve them? Man. Yeah, that's good, man. Oh man. Thank you, Andrew. That was really good, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I needed, I needed to hear that. That was encouraging. Oh, we all do. We all do. Cause everyone, <laughs> right. You, you're going through stuff. I don't know about, I'm going through stuff that you don't know about everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone that we meet is probably going through something that is pulling at their heartstrings and wrenching at their soul. And yeah. And when we can recognize that people need our help, and if they're willing to allow us to help them, then great. But if not, at least that little bit of compassion to say, I see you, right? Mm-hmm. I hear you. I, I don't know if I can help you or if you want my help, but but I recognize that you're going through something. Yeah, man, that's good. So, uh, I mean... <laughs> We've kind of already, I think we talked about this before we got, came on, but, um, and you're hitting on, I could just sense the similar heartbeat of wanting to help others. So when did that come about? When did you start really thinking, getting into the coaching business and wanting to serve people in that, that capacity? Well, I was raised by the greatest salesman in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Not Og Mandino who wrote the book, but my, my father, my entire life, was a salesman. He sold janitorial supplies. When people asked him what he did, he'd say, I'm a toilet paper salesman. (laughs) But he sold, you know, from toilet paper all the way up to, you know, the large, you know, machines that lay down the finish on a basketball court. Hmm. Like he he sold to schools and small businesses and church. Like he was a he was a salesman. And there were times growing up where either I was sick or I was pretending to be sick. So I could stay home and drive around in the Dodge Caravan all around the streets of Boise and watch my dad call on clients and just Mm -hmm. visit people, not to, you know, find out, you know, how he could make some more commission, but what their needs were. And he always put people first. It was never Mm -hmm. about the product he was selling. And so I was just super blessed to be raised by a salesman of a father who loved on people who led with love as Ogmandino taught us and the greatest salesman in the world. He just, he came from a place of love and compassion and he was always, whether at work or at home or in our neighborhood or church or community, he was always serving other people. Man, that's great. And so that, what, what, from that, Mm -hmm. you had that in the back of your mind. What was your initial career choice? Yeah. So, um, my initial career choice was to teach uh, gospel principles from scripture to teenagers in mm-hmm. what was called a seminary class. And so 
out west, we we have these seminary buildings that are church builds right next to high schools. And the kids get to be released from school for one period of the day and we get to study scripture together. Yeah. And so I did that for six years, pouring into teenage kids and mm-hmm. helping them apply you know gospel principles from scripture into their daily lives. And that was a phenomenal career where I learned how to you know love and serve and, and help uh, teenagers who are so moldable. They right. don't know anything about their strengths, and we get to help them figure out what those are. So that was what I did uh, initially in my career was I was a, a full-time teacher in religious education. Mm. And so you got it. Did that kind of hit the itch of wanting to teach others and ask great questions that actually helps people see a different perspective? What what then led to coaching? Right. So I did learn how to become a great coach in the classroom because mm-hmm. if you can do religion with teenagers, yeah, I mean, anything's possible from there, like business, yeah. you know, merit, like all these things like that. What I work on with clients today, like they're challenging, but getting a teenager to fall in love with, you know, religion and, and yeah. make it personal that that's where I learned how to coach. Uh, I went through a divorce in 2013 mm-hmm. and uh, that took me out of the classroom and then I got into real estate and I learned about coaching mm-hmm. and I got a great coach myself and I sold real estate full time for one year before I learned that I loved everything about except for two things. Buyers and sellers kind of drove me nuts mm-hmm. and uh, agents were kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, main two people, main two, two or three, two, yeah, people I you mean, hang out I, with. I liked helping people. I even liked prospecting and solving problems and negotiating and getting paid, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't the career for me. And I was offered a position at the end of that first year of selling real estate to start coaching. Mm -hmm. And nine years ago is when I started coaching brand new real estate agents. And that grew to experienced agents. Then it grew to, you know, brokers and and presidents of, of companies. And, and, and it, and I started coaching nationally and then I broke away from that and started doing my own thing about five years ago. And, uh, so I got my, I cut my teeth on coaching in the classroom and then again with new real estate agents. And now I get to, you know, help, um, less of a demographic as much as a psychographic, just anyone that's stuck, that's Mm -hmm. looking to level up and doesn't know how that's who I serve today. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. The psychographic, that is so great. If we can articulate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, going back to the book, Andrew, I'm cu- curious what, uh, you know, what do you want for the potential reader out there? What are you hoping for them to receive by reading this book? Well, if there was one thing that I'd want them to walk away with, it is extreme clarity on what their life mission is mm. and the vital role that courage and compassion play in helping them fulfill that life mission. Today's episode is brought to you by Thrive Marriage Lab. If you want your marriage to thrive, this is a great opportunity to use. The strong marriages are the bedrock of strong churches, organization, families, and community. This is a 12-month pathway for any of you that are looking to really 
have weekly engagement with experienced marriage counselors, not just one, but many. So go to restory.life backslash thrive to get on the waiting list for this great program that starts in April. That's restory.life backslash thrive. And make sure you put the word forwards in the promo code to receive a discount on your monthly fee. Now back to the episode. Yeah, the, that what passion plays in fulfilling that life mission. Yeah, yeah, passion and compassion, right? Mm-hmm. Courage and and how we, you know, what, what does that look like? And most people don't know what their life mission is, to be honest. Mm-hmm. If you were to ask someone and said, hey, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do for work? Like, that's what we always ask people. What, what do yeah. you do? If you said, what's your life mission? Yeah. They would stop and they would look at you and be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and honestly, shouldn't that what we do, that job or career or business, shouldn't it be funding and helping to build our life mission? Mm. And we've got it all backwards. We lose ourselves in our job or our career or our hobbies or whatever they are, hoping to find that life mission. And so what I do in the book is we get right down to it, identifying that life mission and then building a life around it from a place of courage and compassion. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Um, so Andrea, yeah. Um, I, I like asking this question to my, um, <clears throat> my guest is, uh, you know, what would you tell your 25 year old self? And, and, you know, we mentioned before, I'd love you just also connect it to, you know, who you wrote the book for as well. So, right. Mm-hmm. So what I would tell that 25 year old self is what I tell a lot of young men. And I love coaching and working with young men because I was a pretty lost young man at mm-hmm. 25 and 26, 27, 28, all the way up to about 30, 31. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm actually starting a nonprofit this year that is built around providing scholarship coaching to mm-hmm. young adults. Because oh, wow. they learn everything they need to learn, right, in mm-hmm. school or college or their trade, but they don't they don't learn these life principles that oftentimes failure forces us to learn. Yep. Into our late twenties and into our thirties, so that somehow we get it figured out into our forties, and then it, it's for some it's too late. Yeah. Like me, I, I lost that marriage. I'm now fighting for a relationship with my three daughters, and mm-hmm. I would have told my 25 year old self what I tell. Tanner and Chandler, and I dedicated the book to Tanner and Chandler and to Arison and all the other young men that I coach and all the young men that we will coach through this scholarship nonprofit that we're building this year. And it's this. Have you ever seen the movie Nacho Libre? Yeah. It's with Jack Black and he's the uh, luchador from Mexico. Yeah. Uh, Jack Black, he's so funny. And I saw that movie when I was about, I think, 21 years old. So I was a young man. But uh, in, in Nacho Libre, there's this, you know, there's a scene where, where Nacho says, hey, take it easy. Take it easy. And I think too many young men are just way too hard on themselves, hmm. either because their dad was, their teacher, their coach. Like, just give yourself some compassion. That word compassion is fascinating, Cartwright. Yeah. Passion comes from the root path. And pathology, um, 
even, you know, other roots of that word is, is about suffering. Mm. And, and we talk about the passion of Christ is the suffering of Christ. So passion means suffering and calm means with. So uh-huh. passion means to suffer with someone. Yeah. And we're not able to suffer with someone else until we are able to take it easy and just suffer with ourselves and not suffer because of ourselves or suffer because of others, but just offer yourself some compassion, go through this process of suffering, learn what you need to learn so you don't have to suffer anymore, but stop being so hard on yourself. Take it easy. Yeah. It doesn't have to be so hard. You don't have to mm-hmm. beat yourself up so much. Just give yourself a little bit of grace. Take it easy. Mm-hmm. Offer some self-compassion. Yeah. And you find that that age, you really, you're in like the highest form of comparison. So therefore it creates even more of that self-judgment and you have such a low compassion for yourself. I mean, I know and that because because of the insecurity you compare, you right. And it's like, man, how do we how do we stop that to source? And that's what I think is what's great about coaching is yeah. if you just need somebody alongside you, like stop. No, you don't need to think that way, mm-hmm. and give yourself permission to have that compassion. That's right. And yeah. I love that you brought up comparison. In fact, um, book two is almost done, and it will oh, be wow. published. It'll be published next year. Mm-hmm. But book two, I'm going to be including what you just taught me. Mm-hmm. Maybe the opposite of compassion is comparison. Yeah. Because comparison has been, it's been said that comparison is the thief of all joy. Yep. Mm. And compassion then allows us to give ourselves that gift of joy rather than having it be stolen as we are, you know, looking outward around with others. So Mm. comparison is the antithesis right? It's the enemy of compassion. Yeah. I got to write that down. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I mean, a lot of times it's funny you bring that up is when I coach a guy in his twenties, it's like, I have to constantly remind him you're doing great. I mean, if you're showing up to your job on time, you're present in people's lives, like just because you're not making X or you're not here, or have this, I have that, like you're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> and like yeah. that message is so hard, you know, because we've heard, because like you said, we've been conditioned the opposite. That's right. So, yeah, take it, take it easy and don't be so hard on yourself. You're doing better than you think you are. Give yourself yeah. some compassion and, you know, c- courage and compassion, Oak and Willow, they're not separate. They're just Two yeah. ways for us to think, but they really are. They're connected. Courage comes from the word cur in French. And mm-hmm. cur means heart. Yeah. So courage means it's of the heart. And you need to have the courage to give yourself the compassion. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to offer yourself enough compassion so you can have the courage to fight for yourself. They're not two different things. They actually are a part of one great whole. And that whole is love. You can't yeah. separate love. You can't separate the oak from the will. You can't separate the tree from the forest. You can't separate courage from compassion. They are part of one great whole, and that whole is love. Yeah. Man, it's beautiful. Mm. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, Andrew. Man, I think that may be just a great note to end on. But uh, I would love to, yeah, just the best place to find you or and also the book. I'd love to share with my audience. 
Yeah. So there's some really cool things that are coming out that I'm excited to let everyone know The the book has now been out for a couple months. It's called strength of the Oak strength of the willow, how to find courage and compassion in a turbulent world. We hit number one international bestseller immediately. And we were with some big authors. Jay Shetty was one of them that day, but we uh, hit uh, bestseller in 48 different categories across five different countries, hit number one international bestseller. So I'm very proud of the book, which you can find on Amazon. Again, it's called Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow. And Andrew L. Anderson is my name. We're also launching a gratitude journal that is going to be coming out soon. And it helps us ground ourselves through this habit of journaling gratitude and sharing it with others on a daily basis so that there's a a gratitude journal that's coming out. And then the audible, the audible, I finished recording two weeks ago and Mm -hmm. we're going to be launching that audible uh, late this spring of 2023. So just great things happening. If you follow me at Andrew L Anderson, eight, five, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. We have some courses that we're uh, launching. I'm in the middle of seven proven steps to solving uncertainty which takes the most powerful principles from my book and applies them into, you know, do these simple seven one hour lessons that I take people through. So Andrew L Anderson, eight, five is where people can find me or Andrew L Anderson.com. Man, that's great. Andrew, I appreciate you coming on. Go check out his book, strength of an oak, strength of willow. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, Cartwright. Thanks for listening to the Mentor Forge podcast. If you want to find out how top performers gain confidence on a regular basis, you just got to go to mentorforge.com and put in your email address and you will be sent a video about how to do that. It is the process that I've been developing and working in with my clients and it's part of my coaching program as well as my keynote. So go to mentorforge.com to find out more information about how you can gain confidence and become a top performer in your field.